All right, here we go. It's podcast time. Colin Thomas is here from We Will Fix It in Essential Maintenance Dubai. I'm James Pikeaway. We're in the Epic Podcast Studio at downtown Dubai's Rove. Got the windows open. It's kind of nice actually looking out there. It's nice looking, James. <laughs> but you know, this morning it was so humid that when I walked into the kid's school, yeah. it fogged the whole corridor. Oh, man. I know. Yeah. It's probably the worst one that we've had yet. I think it was, I, I heard this morning, and, and you know, it's, it's funny because I've been, I've been writing on podcasting, actually. Been, I did a little academic paper on podcasting, and as you do, as an academic, it's like, it was, it's the line between doing and then writing the, the, the academic stuff, and there was a whole economic element to it, but it was, it's so hard changing the hats. Someone said, so, oh, that's great, you're writing. I said, it's really hard to go from doing podcasting and all of the stuff that's involved with that to then writing about it because it's a different skill set and yeah. it's a different mind part. I hope we weren't the uh, case study and what not to do. No, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> that's the next chapter. No, you know, the, no, the next chapter is I want to sit down and just have a conversation, non-podcast, but we'll put on the microphones maybe, yes. and talk about the change from doing radio, because we started on radio, to podcasting and what what that mindset was, what's going on, what thoughts are. Uh, oh, I much you know, prefer podcasting. A nice, and a, just a nice, honest conversation about motiv- motivations and, and stuff. It's, it, you know, it's a, we, let's, let's do it just a little bit before we get into maintenance <laughs> stuff, because it's a fascinating subject, isn't well, it? So I, I, before we jump in, I yeah. want to jump back to where I was, oh, okay, yeah. which was the humidity. And so I turned on the radio this morning. And what, did I, what was I listening to? Oh, I turned on to 92. Yeah. And John Owen Nats, who I didn't realize were the breakfast show because I don't listen to radio that much. Do you much. know what? I'm now listening to them first thing when, when the yeah. kids are in the car. And they're really working. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a good, well, really good, solid breakfast show, that I, one. I've known Nats forever. It should be 15 years at Dubai yeah, yeah. Isn't she? Easily, yeah. easily. And so, yeah, I saw... Well, Jono said it was 100% humidity at the time that I was listening, and I went, I believe it. Yeah. And which then got me thinking about radio and podcasting, and there's this, this great little piece that is a great little quote that I use by uh, the, 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 two, the two Spinelli and, and Dan who've written on podcast, did a nice little book. And they talk about radio as wallpaper. It's, it's, it's oral wallpaper because you put it on and it's in the background. And when you think back in the UK or I think back in Canada, I'm of the, we're of the generations where you know, the radio would be on all day long. Absolutely. And get in the car, you put on the radio. Not necessarily because we put it on because we want to complain, but you put it on and it's just playing. And it's just happening. It's yeah. that podcasting is not oral wallpaper. You pick it, you put on your earbuds. Podcasting's typically listened to on a device yep. of some sort, maybe in your car, but not not as much as one would think because you got to concentrate. I agree. The one thing that frustrates me though <laughs> about podcasting is the search method. Oh, yeah. you know, I mean, how's that not been solved yeah. yet? Well, this this was this is one of the big key things of this paper that I read. Said, look, you know, there's about two million podcasts worldwide, about forty eight million episodes, but nobody can tell you how many podcasts are in the UAE. 
And no one can tell you where in the UAE they're on and no one can tell you the exact subject. Look, you can go to Agami and you can listen to, you know, they got about 300 in there or more. You can go to Dubai Eye and grab their podcast. You can go to iTunes and take a look in general, but no one can actually, there's nowhere that says, okay, I want podcasts, UAE, and I'm now going to have my bot go and look at all 12 of the distribution channels and exactly. create it. And I'm thinking, why am I, why have I not done this? Like, how hard can this be? <laughs> I'm guessing as a result of it not having been done yet, because the technology sounds exactly the same as um, standard search engine, doesn't well, it? I, I think people it's just, clearly I, not. someone hasn't thought about it. This is, you know, because, well, here's the other problem, right? So this podcast lives in Anchor, yes. which is a Spotify product. Yeah. But it's distributed using 12 different tools, including Google Podcasts and iTunes. So now there's all this overlap. So you need a bot that goes in, finds all of the examples of these things, put them, puts them all together so that you can get an accurate count, which again, I'm not quite sure why that, that doesn't sound to me like a really difficult task. The reason it hasn't happened, and this is just my own, my own mind, hmm. is there's no money in it. So until somebody <laughs> tried this, you know, yeah. in the UAE, only like um, four four years ago, I think. Uh-huh. I remember listening to an interview on uh, Dubai Eye about a gentleman who was trying to do exactly this, and I never heard anything more about him. <laughs> so yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. It's a yeah. difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Anyway, you you were talking about humidity and yeah, I cut you so off. It's, it's well, no, not at all. <laughs> I was just um, basically saying it, it, it's. It's weird, isn't it, this year? I was, I was walking, as I often do this morning, with um, an awesome Irish Emirates pilot, actually. Oh. And his insight, I absolutely love. We, we talk about anything and everything. Yeah. Um, but he was talking about humidity. He said, yeah, it's extremely rare to have the combination of the dry year that we've had, where we haven't yeah. had much rain, yeah. and then combined with this extended period of high humidity, which is later than it normally would be. Right. And the fact that it flashes off and on, like... <laughs> You, you go out every, um, each day. You've got no idea whether it's going to be dry or absolutely yeah. dripping when, yeah. when you're out there. Yeah. And that's the the oddity. I don't know. There's, there can't really be more oddities than the last year or so. Yeah. Um, from from every perspective, you just don't know what to expect next. No, it's apart great. from the unexpected. It's and I think this is wearing on people. Like I'm, I'm meeting people, I'm talking to people, and they're getting a little afraid because it's it's going on so long. This is unexpected, and it and it's the little things. So yeah, okay, we've got the larger environment of COVID, you know, another, we hate to date stamp podcast, but when this podcast is being recorded, the, we've just had the NATO summit, we've just had the G7 summit, and we've had Boris Johnson talking about the extension of restrictions in the UK for yet another month. So that stuff is weighing on people. And then it's just the little things that are created because of those bigger items yeah it it is bizarre isn't it and it's like you say it's it's the um the fear of the unknown it doesn't feel like there's progress (laughs) no you know we we thought that we'd got uh, through kind of the main chunk and we were nearing the end and then um the indian variant whatever i'm supposed to call that now delta the delta Delta variant variant, that's it um that has uh come back and it appears as though numbers are now on the increase yeah you know and you're like for goodness sake how many chapters do you want this darn thing it's so frustrating isn't it yeah yeah it's crazy and trying to keep people you know i can imagine from a governmental perspective whether we're talking about um, the uk or or wherever else trying to keep people interested enough to be compliant with just 
common sense yeah. is really a difficulty. Interestingly enough, I had I had one only today <laughs> okay. where I was about to walk into a lift and recognised that uh, one of the other gentlemen walking into that lift wasn't actually wearing a mask. Yikes. Yeah, absolutely. So I stopped and didn't get in the lift and waited for another one. But I'm like, can you imagine that six no. months ago? No, that no. wouldn't have happened, would it? No. And now... That's not commonplace, but it's not the first time that I've seen it. I went, I went by a restaurant yesterday. I w- actually, I went to the, the butcher shop to pick up some meat. Nice. They're, unfortunately, their supply has been disrupted. They get stuff oh, from no. South Africa. So the meat that I wanted was not on sale at the... Uh, I mean, I guess they have it for the restaurant, but I couldn't buy it in the, the butcher window. What were you after? I just wanted a couple of ribeyes. Okay. Didn't have them. Hmm. They said, no, no, we haven't been restocked yet. And I well, kind of went... I went all right, that's like a staple. Okay, that's really weird that you don't have it. But I also then looked around the restaurant and went, what's going on in the restaurant? And they go, oh, we, we, we don't have to have the dividers up anymore. Oh, those went, did they? Oh, yes, I suppose they did. And I kind of went, I kind of like the dividers. Yeah, I know <laughs> what you like, mean. I said, just because you don't have to have them doesn't mean you shouldn't have them. <laughs> like, leave them up. It's very difficult to talk about people when the dividers are down, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen it over there? What was she thinking? <laughs> but it, I, it's it's weird now when you walk. So the, the divider's down because the number of people who can be in the restaurant have gone up. Yes. And I'm looking at the number of seats and, I'm, and now because we've been in a situation where we've had no seats and then a few seats and then a few more seats and then a few more, but we've had the dividers and now there's no dividers and there's a few more seats. It's kind of like, well, this just doesn't look right. No, I know what you mean. It's, it's, hmm. I'm still wary about those um, those locations where um, I'm absolutely you, wary. You, about you them. certainly can I'm, pack in more people than ever before. I I tend to go at really off hours, so mm. I went. You know, I was there about ten in the morning. There's no one in the mall. I I made the mistake of going near a mall uh, on a weekend on a Friday at about eleven o'clock. I walked in got through the store that I used as the entrance and turned around and left. Yes. <laughs> I just looked and I said, what this is not good. Yeah. Like I'm not, I, you know, Hey, people were masked and doing whatever, whatever, but I wasn't willing to be part of that horde of people. It just made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah. We don't, uh, we don't go um, to a mall as a destination anymore. No. It's a quick in and out and we do the, um, so we've worked out if we go and do like nine fifteen, yeah. we tend to go together, Natalie and I on, um, on off days during the week. Um, and then we do the Carrefour shop, which uh-huh. is before the main, uh, all the main shops open. Uh-huh. So that's at its quietest. 10 o'clock hit, straight out by then, and just to go to the specific shops. We don't browse anymore. Yeah. Specific shops we've previously planned, and by 10.30, we're out the mall. <laughs> we're done. And that's okay. We can, we can kind of handle that. Yeah. Um, but saying that, I've got to go and um, do my antibody test soon. As oh, I'm, good. Um, well, I'm on the kind of four, over four months since Cinefarm. Okay. So I kind of want to know where I am, to be brutally honest, from, from what you hear. And um, so where, do you, where are you going to do that? I'm going to go to Saudi German. Okay. Um, apparently it's 100 dirhams and four hours, um, four hours to do it. Nice. So yeah, hopefully that will give me a bit of an indicator as to where we sit. And then I will take those results straight to my GP with gun in hand to say, right then, mister, <laughs> get me on whatever list I need to be on. So uh, hopefully I can, we can travel safely this summer. That's a big challenge, isn't it? Because pretty much in, in, in the world at this point, while Sinopharm's on World Health Organization list, it's not on the Canadian list. It's not on the British list. Exactly. It's not on the French list. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm also a Sinopharm recipient. Mm. And, and I got to say, I feel a little bit ripped off in that, you know, did the right thing, got 
a vaccine and double dosed on the World Health Organization list, but all I can think of is because of politics. It is not necessarily making the cut uh, of acceptable vaccines. Well, we hear we hear that the cut off for WHO is fifty percent efficacy. Yeah. That seems a bit low to me, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I, I, the, the results I saw was it was in the high seventies, and and but there's variation. If right. you look at the different countries where yeah. it's tested, it's anything from mid fifties to yeah. eighty odd. Yeah. So I don't know what but, to believe. But these I think days. that efficacy number to me is is a, a ruse, right? Because it, yes, it works. But what's if you've had the vaccine, which percentage of people who've had the vaccine end up in the hospital with COVID? And to me, that's the number. I absolutely agree with you. And um, that is critical because again, you've got but the resource it does relate issue. To the, it does relate to the efficacy though. But then timing uh, as yeah. well. So well, at, what point, at what point am I no longer covered? And yeah, four to six months, right? Why exactly, you four to six months. So I'm like, okay, well at this point, so they're telling me six months is when I can get a booster. At four months, they reckon it's the potential of it running out. So let's find out. <laughs> Whether or not that's the case. Yeah. And for me, that's a bit of a no-brainer. But yeah. then you get to the stage of, right, okay, well, I'm definitely going for Pfizer next time, which has been agreed is, is, yeah, yeah. is allowed. Well, and they're already doing that in, in Abu Dhabi six months yes. in. They're yeah. giving people Pfizer, so. Yeah. It's one yeah. of those. Anyway. Anyway. The wonders of the pandemic. Yeah. You know what time it is? It is the time that everyone looks forward to. This is 10 Minutes with Colin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, an odd one today, a really odd one. It's something we've touched on before, which is um, the difference between a jack-of-all-trades and the way that we operate, which Mm. is uh, we will do anything that's within our wheelhouse and we turn away work. And, and let me just, you know, for point of clarification, you guys do a lot of stuff. Yeah, we do a huge, huge range of stuff. But the, it's an odd one. In the early days, if you imagine back in 2008, um, Dan and I are putting our life savings into uh, the company at the time. And we were desperate, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. So we take on pretty much anything that came our way and we would fumble our way through it. And what we learned really, really quickly was... This is just ridiculous because you end up in in two scenarios, which is either you are uh, ridiculously lucky and you get to the end of the job and go, phew. And then you look at it and go, you know the amount of time that we spent on that? Well, that really wasn't worth it. That's kind of scenario one from a business perspective. That's the best case scenario that you end up in. Hmm. Option two is that... um, Something goes wrong during the job because that's not your core skill set. You don't have the right people. You don't have the right materials. And therefore, it's a much higher risk of something going wrong. At that point, you are, first of all, committed to the work that you've agreed to do to a customer, uh, with a customer rather. And then secondly, you have a customer that is exceedingly upset (laughs) because they haven't got the end result that they were hoping for. You know? And it's, uh, it's an odd one. So we decided really early on, we are just going to stick to those things that are entirely within our uh, wheelhouse. And secondly, we are going to carry on training our guys to try and expand that effectively, but behind the scenes. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's exactly what we've done over the years. And, and believe it or not, we're still doing it right now. So what's the cost to doing that? The cost, the cost of doing that is very different, which is, well, the cost is normally <laughs> either mine, Dan's, or somebody we know's um, 
item at the moment, it's bathroom, that may well be out of order for a week or so, whilst either we are working out what went wrong when our first attempt uh, didn't work out, or alternatively, when we've got it right, we will then multiply the number of guys who actually go to that site and replicate the work that's been done. So, for instance, right now, our big bugbear is concealed toilets, right. which are the toilets that have the tank inside a fixed unit, yeah. okay? Now, to the general public, these seem perfectly normal. It's just a toilet that's inside a box. Well, unfortunately, that's not the case. <laughs> what happened was, when they were built in, they were considered, oh, well, we don't really need to think about ever maintenance on these. You know, they're, they're, the parts are built right, and away we go. Well, you're absolutely right in a cold a water territory, but every mm. summer here, as everybody knows right Right now, the uh, the temperature of the cold water is somewhere near boiling point, <laughs> which basically means that all of the uh, the plastic components that the toilet flushes are made from get brittle, and at that point they no longer seal or they no longer flush. So we need to get back at it. Well, to do that, almost always, because we live in posh properties here, you have a big slab of marble on top, um, which is glued or attached in some way mm. okay well it's only attached to be designed to be done once oh, no. okay they don't leave an access panel because that would be way too obvious and instead it's sealed all the way down grouted around the edges with grout that's now 10 to 15 years old so you're trying to get this off without breaking that because if you break it you've got to replace it at that point you only have a really small access to be able to get to it because when it was installed the wall in front wasn't there uh, okay uh. so then at that point we've got to work out which part has failed through a little gap that can often be oh six inches maybe in terms of diameter that's uh, not very big no it's tiny it's absolutely tiny so when you then imagine getting an arm in there which you need to do to be able to feel at it you've got very little visual as well so then you basically need to work out, okay, well, if it's the toilet flush, if you imagine the way that a toilet flush works, it has to be attached to the physical tank itself with a locking nut underneath. Yeah. So at this point, we need to work out, okay, we've got to physically get the tank out to be able to replace it. We then need to put it back in, ideally without smashing the front wall, because that then becomes a massive job, and reconnecting it. Okay, so th if you imagine, I'm not going to claim that it is like surgery, but it's quite like surgery. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, the, now the way that a, um, a, a budget outfit would do it would be, I'm really sorry, madam, but the only way of doing this work is to smash up your bathroom. And then I've got completely different tiles that look nothing like what you've currently got uh, to be able to do. And the bill for that, even though the part was probably be only be uh, around the five, 600 dirham mark, uh, overall it's a, it's a bathroom remodel. So we're looking at eight to 10,000. Okay. Or more likely what they say is, oh, well, this is going to be very difficult, madam, sir. So as a result, um, we will do our best efforts and we'll see how we get on you know or they'll just go absolutely silence which is yeah we can do that <laughs> next thing you know you hear the first whack which is as they're smashing the uh, the wall out and you are committed it's done okay yeah. and that outfit will have got money up front they will have claimed it's for parts so that, that way they've got at least their time covered for when they get thrown off site and away they go okay now much three, to the chagrin, three, three options. Yeah, yeah, but much to the chagrin of, of some customers, and I absolutely understand their perspective, which is, I don't really care, I just want it done. Right. Totally get it. But the fact is, when you then take a more responsible approach to that as a, a service provider, unless you are 100% sure that you can solve that job, then I can't imagine why you would even start it. 
And this is where the difficulty comes because you end up with um, customers thinking, oh, well, you know, there's holes in this this company's um, abilities. Yeah. Well, yeah, there are actually. Okay. There's, it's a hole which we will, A, try to fill, but we need to try to fill it the right way so that right. we're not committing you to horrendous amounts of money. And for us as a company, horrendous amounts of resource for a substandard end result. So, you know, what we try and do is to do a couple of these every year. So right now it's those concealed flushes. So are, Now, are concealed flushing toilets more common now? Oh, yes. Much, okay, so much, much more common, without okay. a doubt. In fact, almost every new um, development these days, unless it's a, a budget development, has concealed toilets, and especially in tower blocks for some reason. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, they're, they're massive. But the problem, the other problem that they didn't really think about is... Unlike um, normal toilet cisterns, um, which basically there are three different um, flush mechanisms as standard, and yeah. that, that will cover 95% of the, uh, of the toilet um, cisterns. When it goes concealed, each one is bespoke, and even when it is bespoke, it's very rare that you can physically see uh, what the model is to be able to work out, oh or no. actually the brand on many occasions, because the flush is often different to the uh, to the front mech, um, <laughs> because they basically wanted to save a bit of cash. And that is where it gets really complex. So we got to tackle it. We absolutely have to tackle it. And, you know, it's most important for us, for essential customers, mm. where at the moment we've actually got it as an exclusion. Um, wow. Because, um, you know, we, 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 have, uh, we have to stick within stuff that we are totally confident with. But therefore, a lot of work has been done behind the scenes to try and get that yeah. where, it, where it needs to be. Which is a real challenge when you're, you're, you're up front saying, look, we're not jobbers. There are things we will not be able to deal with, unfortunately. Maybe we can direct you to someone who does that as a specialty. Maybe not. But the reality right now is we can't direct customers in this situation to anybody else that isn't a bodger and dodger. Wow. Yeah, so it would be, it, for us, it's, it's down to, right, we need to work out a, crazy. a really solid methodology. Yeah. And the problem is we can't just do it on one bathroom right? because we've actually solved, like the ranch is one that I've got, I solved it in the last place. I'm like, yes, we've got concealed toilets worked yeah. out. And then the boys, um, the plumbing boys said, no, no, that was an easy one. <laughs> That's not the standard. Um, and, you know, this is where yeah. it gets uh, really painful. But also you've got that risk factor of the job as well. That right. initial stage of getting um, either cracking a tile or alternatively uh, mm. cracking that slab is an absolute nightmare. Because in that situation, although up front the customer will say, oh, yes, yes, I'll, I'll take the risk of this um, of that happening as we try and warn people ahead of time. When you physically cracked it, you'd be amazed how people change their tune. Mm. And even though we would sign in that situation, you understand the risk that you're taking, we will do our best endeavours, but there's a very high chance that we won't be able to get this off in one piece. And then you end up with this bad taste in people's mouth for you as a, a service provider because in all reality you cracked the um, the marble that was above their consumed yeah. toilet so it's, it's a really difficult balance for us to to get to we want to provide as much as we possibly can for customers but at the same time there are those jobs that are just nasty yeah. that are going to leave egg on our faces no matter what, but we need to be as skilled as we possibly can be to be able to cover them. And if we can't get to that confidence level where we are going to be able to do them and do them well, we simply won't do them. This is 10 Minutes with Colin. That's still the best one. I mean, I've heard all the others now. And I definitely, you aced it for me, James. So, so here's my question. Yeah. Like, what does a person do then? It, where do they turn to? 
if you can't do it, where do they go? Okay. At that point, you, the reality is you're rolling a dice. Okay. Okay. Or alternatively, you're remodeling a bathroom so that you don't have the same design fault next time around. And there's really good people for doing that. Okay. But then imagine your situation as a, as a renter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you are, you're rolling a dice. And I've got nothing good to say about that. Um, I, I had that. I had that scenario because I had some loose tiles. Mm. The landlord finally sent in his guys. They pulled up some tiles. They put down some new tiles. They, they you know, it's white tile, so it's easy. They matched up the white. They brought the. I'm looking at. That. I've got some of them left. Yeah. But the way they affix them is with this whatever stuff they use. You know, you know the the, the dirt and the concrete and whatever. Really? Yeah. So there's that 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 flooring stuff, and then they put down some liquidy stuff and uh, screed. It sounds yeah, like a little bit of screeding. Really? Yeah. These, right. So there's only there's literally two brands. Everybody here uses MapEye. If they know right. what they're doing. And um, they, they didn't use MapEye. These guys oh, clearly didn't on. know what they were doing. And uh, the tiles are gray. <laughs> They were they were white, but whatever got them, the screeds absorbed yeah, yeah, in, yeah, yeah, and yeah. now they're gray. And and you know they're they're slowly changing, and it's like you know we cover it with carpet anyway, so it's fine. But it's just like really, guys. Yeah. See, the next stage for our tiles is uh, I'm literally I'm finding more and more. Oh no. Yeah. Well, Natalie refused. I had I had a, a little slot available to get um, a contractor that we use. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Who did yeah. the first batch? And he's done your brother-in-law's. Uh, no, interesting. No. He didn't in the end. Oh, oh, yeah. Ooh. Well, they certainly regret it now. <laughs> <laughs> they use the same. So they've used the same um, the same tile as we use in our dining area, and right. um, you know our guys did that. Interestingly enough, they're using it for other work, bizarrely. Um, and uh, basically, we we saw it through the process, and we just were quite amazed, to say the least, that the newly laid floor that they were putting down, they were standing on it as they were laying it. Oh, no, so no. So that way no. they could basically use, they did have, um, you know, a decent uh, tile adhesive, but they they put so much down so they could try and do it quickly yeah. that you didn't have the reach to be able to get to the far side. So they stood on the tiles that they just laid. <laughs> no, no. They had dirt all over everywhere that had already been laid. And I was literally looking at it with my eyes on stores. I obviously didn't want to say anything because they committed at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And the end result is, is kind of all right but again, another thing that they weren't aware of really on that tile is you're supposed to lay it um, without needing any grout. It's, um, it's yeah, one yeah. of those tile sets. Yeah. Well, they need grout on this. <laughs> oh. So, you know, and, but then the bottom line is you've also got that expectation scenario yeah. as well, which is for me looking at that, I, I would be daily looking at it going, that is really getting on my nerves. And yeah. then the only question I ask at the end of it, because you, you need to be supportive in these situations yeah, yeah. is, are you happy with it? Yes, yeah, we're blissfully happy. Well, in which case, they've kind of done their job. Right. If they'd have done that to mine, it would have been jackhammered the whole lot. Yeah. But you've got to accept that, you know, with through various different things, I'm quite <laughs> anal about these, these, these situations, and not everybody is like that. So the fact that they're happy with the end result is wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Uh, our tile, since we cover it with a carpet, I can live with it, but I'm not happy with it. No. No, it's, it's always there, and it's just like, really? But the, the other thing, if you imagine, it, it makes more sense in that scenario <clears throat> to take up all the tiles in that yeah. room and just get some uniformity to it. Exactly. Because you're not going to match. I mean, the tile that's 21 years old, you just, not, even if yeah, it is white, different you know, shades of white are normal. Well, what, what interesting and thing they noticed well. is the sizing is minusculely different. Yes. They don't make this size tile anymore. Yep. 
Yeah, it's and exactly the same in the ranches. So getting it to fit was a big thing. So, you know, they, I, I suspect my landlord is looking at this going, okay, it's 21-year-old property. These tiles are all going to have to get pulled up anyway. Yeah. So let's just patch it for now. And down the road, we're going to have to do a massive refit of all of this. Yes. And But then the other side, see, the way I would think about it in the landlord's perspective is, okay, so I do need to, yeah, I'm yeah. going to need to patch plenty of these. I'm presuming, has he got the same in different properties? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, same tile. So what I would have done is I would have pulled up your, um, that bedroom, and I would have told the guys, you save as many tiles as you possibly can here, and then I would have retiled the bathroom, kept those tiles so I can patch all the others going forwards. Yeah. That would have been the cost effective route and yeah. it would look great doing it that yeah. way around. No. That's the difference. That's, it's not those guys. No, exactly. <laughs> so frustrating. But that's exactly what we did with our dining area. Yeah. So we've now got like 50 odd tiles. That's good. In the ranches, honestly, these are worth more than gold. Yeah. You know, these are these are way beyond a wasabi plant in terms of their value. <laughs> but nobody's getting mine, without a doubt. They are well hidden away well, for you, future requirements. As soon as someone in the ranches is doing any retrofits, you want to be around to say, oh, you're taking up some tiles. Can, let's... My best mate is the guy who does most of the ranches. For the <laughs> so if it comes to it, I've got it worked out. Yes. Nice. It is, really uh, nice. It's very useful. But I mean, it's an age old problem. And again, you know, the kitchen units are another one oh, that were man. custom built for the ranches. Yeah. Standard when they're there. Obviously, we ripped all of ours out. Uh-huh. And um, ours went to, actually, no, ours in the end went to the carpentry company. Oh. So that was the deal, which was. They the, went to the carpentry company so that they could replicate them for future. No. No. What, what I think um, <laughs> happened was they were they were adamant the blessing they they look after me very well because obviously we throw uh, a lot of business their way but i needed all of the old stuff out and removed right and my guys were flat out at the time so that wasn't feasible so the deal was um we'll rip it all out and get it all prepped for you so um everything off the walls um all ready to go for new tiles um but we need those those uh, all the kitchen units and that is great for me, but almost certainly what they're doing is uh, for extension units or additionals, and um, they'll be able to refurb those so that they're, they're absolutely ah, like new, gotcha. and they've got an original perfect match that they don't have to replicate. Right. So, um, and also with it being a Sahil property, it was a, one of the large kitchens as well, So, yeah. and it's the same kitchen as you get in all of the ranches. All right. So on that basis, it means that they can use it wherever they have any work in the ranches and charge a fair penny for it. So nice. it works for both parties. <laughs> yeah, very yeah. nice. Uh, something we've we talked about forever, and I know the father-in-law is now supervising work over at the uh, the sister-in-laws and yes. brother-in-law. Yep. Um, is it brother-in-law or is it sister-in-law? Uh, well, in effect, it's both, but it's brother-in-law that is Natalie's um, okay. brother. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about the shed. Yes. And is it done? Now, here's an interesting <laughs> one, James. No, no, it's yes or no. No, it's not that clear cut. It's not that clear. It is waterproof. There is all okay, of good. the bikes are in it. Good. It is locked. It's, yeah. uh, it's been... The truth be told, it does not rain here. It hadn't rained in a year, but... No, but, but I, it will I've protected rain. it. It I mean, will I, rain, it's, though. It's all been protected. Yeah. It's, all, it's all ready to go. I have two more panels for oh. uh, roofing felt to do. And actually, I've been looking at it, because now father-in-law's <laughs> not there, and he keeps sending the message. You have done it, haven't you? You have done it. I haven't replied. I've now worked out a method because uh, I don't agree with a couple of the decisions that he made on the roofing, which oh, um, oh, is a little oh. bit, a little bit difficult. Um, <laughs> but I then went and got I needed some uh, some extra wood angle, which is kind yeah, of yeah. difficult to find, but I've got it. Okay, um, where'd you find it? So Dragon Mart uh, oh. to a particular supplier in Dragon Mart that okay. um, I've been to a week ago. He was out of stock, so I 
get it in and I'll be back. Anyway, I was day before yesterday. Um, and so I've now worked out how to put those two panels on um, as a, a, a loan rather than with father-in-law mm. uh, because it was a bit of a struggle even with the pair of us before and I'm now on the steeper. Okay. So it's, it's a four-part roof, if you imagine, oh, yeah, on yeah. the du- Dutch barn. So I'm now on the steeper but lower ones. So I've just worked out my method on how to do that. I went to buy some additional construction adhesive, which is not the way you're supposed to apply it. Uh-huh. But I, uh, what I need to do is to position it just slightly down and then I'm going to construction adhesive, lift it on, yeah. and then lift up the other side oh, once nice. I've got adhesion there to be able to yeah. do the rest of it, and then finish it off with the L pieces along the edges. Uh, then the theory is, so the the roofing felt, and the only roofing felt that is available here is supposed to be torched on, oh. uh, which is the standard method. Really? Well, my theory is that <laughs> Dubai summer is about as close to a torch as you're going to get. So if I start off with a few blobs of construction um, cement, and probably I'll do, actually I'll do a whole, a whole edge of it, yeah. then my theory is that over the summer, it will bake itself to make the rest of the adhesion that I require. Probably makes sense. Probably not, but anyway, you know, it'll make me feel better once I've done that. Now, the problem that I've got is, if you imagine the upper areas that we've already done... I'm imagining this, yeah. Right, so I basically did that with father-in-law, and then, and bless him, he did the majority of the shed, let's be honest about it. Um, I then went off um, to mess about with cars, as I often do, Uh and I came back, and he'd cut the... uh, Only one side, uh, he'd cut at the level of the upper part the mm-hmm. upper part of one side of the um uh, of the roof now it seems pretty obvious to me that really that should be going over the edge and down and uh, underneath the second part right. so that way i have waterproofing at the time when i will then go all the way up to the yeah. slides overhang with the lower section um but unfortunately i'm, I'm beyond that point <laughs> On one side, one side is going to be just fine, but on the other side, it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. Now, I know if we actually had the conversation that um, he would get very defensive about it, and uh, he would probably come up with a, a very, a very eloquent solution or elegant rather solution um, to this little issue. However, I'm just not prepared to have that conversation with him right now because it might turn out into, oh, you think I've messed that up, don't you? Well, how dare you after all the work I've put into your shed? So instead, I am going to um, I'm going to try an, a slightly different method using the lower section uh-huh. to see if I can get the edge of the upper section lifted up enough to be able to get that underneath and then I'll reseal it so that way I've still got an overlap. Um, going on and then uh, along each edge is those the the wooden l section to right. finish it off as well so i'm hoping that will be enough to uh, to keep it waterproof is the plan still to to sell it and build a bigger one no i've been banned oh <laughs> Did, yeah. anyone who's been listening to these podcasts will know that that was the plan yeah i'm gonna yes yeah 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 i mean it's absolutely obvious without a doubt um well, well, this however, is, and this was when natalie came out and said oh i thought it'd be bigger uh, yeah, I mean that's literally just the standard standard parlance in our house. You not believe the latest. You will oh, not oh, believe oh, the latest. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Washing machines. What about washing machines? Right. So we had a Samsung. In fact, no, we had two Samsungs in a row. Yeah. Each one lasted for the two year warranty. Well done, Samsung. And about a week, maybe two weeks on the second one. Okay. Uh-huh. So you ring up Samsung. Oh yes, hello. Here's the uh, code number. Oh no, no. I'm very sorry. Outside of warranty. Yes, I am. By a week. Exactly, by a week. <laughs> no, no, it's only a week. Exactly, exactly a week. week. 
Right. And what's wrong with it? Oh, the panel control board. That'll be a thousand dirhams. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm like, but the, what, surely it's the motor that's got the 10 year warranty. No, Mr. Thomas, it's not the motor. Don't you feel a little bit stupid now having made such a silly comment, the bit that's under warranty still? So, okay, so we wrote off two of those. So you do what anybody would do in this situation you buy a Miele, okay? Uh-huh. Miele. 20 years, that thing is not going to fail, without a doubt, okay? Now, you know the arguments that are going to happen. Why did you buy me the Miele with the smaller kilogram level, right? And that conversation would have happened with a very sensible response, which is, do you have any idea how much a Miele is? They're really, really expensive, okay? But I thought about this before the purchase process. So I thought, right, you know what? We'll just mortgage the kids. It'll be fine. I will buy the same size, nine kilo, that I had before, yeah. okay? Right, there were the usual moans for the first month, month and a half. And then suddenly they got louder and louder and louder. And but all, do, do you have a washing machine at this point or? Yeah, yeah, I've got the Miele. I've already bought the, okay. the Miele nine kilo, right? Right. Honestly, cheap to buy gold. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's lasting 20 years. So I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, so if the if the Samsung lasted for two years and Miele's just do not break, and literally people talk yeah. about 20 years without any problem, I'm like, okay, well, it wasn't 10 times the price. Not close, but it wasn't 10 times the price. So that's a good deal. It'll yeah. work. And then the argument starts over the size of the hole. A hole? Like, what do you mean to, to, she, well, put, the, size to put the, the laundry hole? in? Exactly. Isn't it's, it standardized? It's a front, it's a it's front, a front loader. Front loader. Isn't right. it standardized? Well, <laughs> to be fair, it was smaller than the previous Samsung. Yeah. Okay. So we kind of went in this direction for a while, and then she was arguing over Twin DOS, which basically is a system that Miele's got, whereby you get these big containers of uh, both conditioner and wash bags, yeah. so you get the perfect amount based on the weight of the laundry that you've got. Okay. What an incredible innovation. Nice. Right? No. Apparently, uh, the fact that uh, Natalie needs more in it than would be normal means that she has to hit the override, which is another three-button presses to be able to get to the um, the right menu to be able to use it normally like any other any, any other system, okay? So anyway, it gets louder and louder and louder, and then one night, which she just had enough, absolutely lost the plot. And to be fair, I don't do a lot of... I do do washing, but I don't do a lot of washing. So I'm kind of like... I was at that receptive moment of, right, okay, I cannot put up with this for much longer. So as a bit of a flippant comment, I went, right, well, in which case, I'll just get you another Samsung then, thinking, oh, she knows that these have just failed at two years and two weeks. She'll never go for that. To which she said, great, in which case, I won't have to moan about it anymore. I'm like... She just promised that she isn't going to moan about it anymore, right? You, you must have left right there. I, I'll be right back. Well, I did. I did exactly that. So I literally went... Ace Hardware, by the way, are offering free yeah. five-year warranty currently on all white goods. Do they have those in-store or did... They- no, it's online. Yeah, yeah. So you, it's online. Yeah, but isn't that nice? So I ordered the Samsung, Yeah. right? This is now... we are Which comes from Samsung, like Samsung guys yeah, deliver it. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was... It was the Miele was three months old when we got the Samsung. Yeah. Side by side, same size of door opening. <laughs> Perfectly happy with the Samsung, right? <laughs> I thought I'd go for logic for a second. Say, oh, no, no, no. Have you seen these two, the holes that we were talking Do you see the holes? No, what I see is a perfect Samsung and the absolute devil child of Amila. Okay? 
So last night, the first person came round. The first person came round to buy for a very reduced price the um, the Mila with uh, which is now three and a half months old with a five years minus three and a half months warranty. Checked it was transferable for a very reasonable price. Okay. Yeah. He brought his wife. <laughs> oh no! Right? He then opened the doors and goes, "I kid you not." Goes, "That's got a smaller hole." <laughs> I'm literally, I'm sat there in utter disbelief. At which point, she takes one of the uh, the, the microfiber rags that, yeah. that was um, kind of above, and she's measuring it. She goes, that, that, that's got a small hole. I'm like, hang on a second. What are you on about? So I went to get a tape measure. It has got a smaller hole. It's eight millimeters. We're talking not even a centimeter in terms of difference, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, this is this is massive. So I'm expecting to hear back. The husband had bought it at the door. We yeah. weren't even, you know, it's a Mila. I'm like, yeah, it's a Mila. <laughs> Wife comes in, playing with the programs. Didn't look too happy at all. Twin DOS didn't like that. I'm like, you're kidding. You don't even have to put it in anymore. Yeah, well, you know what? You'd have to put extra. I'll yeah. don't even start. <laughs> just, I'm like, does this, this lady know your wife? I'm like, is, <laughs> is this my wife? I didn't know my wife was Austrian. So, um, so yeah, I'm not overly hopeful about that for my gold-plated uh, washing machine. Wow. But that is what's going on in the Thomas household now. And Dr. James, <laughs> Professor James Pikeway, thank you so much for the therapy. Uh, but doesn't it make you, you know, the positive side is you're not alone. Imagine this you know, Austrian gentleman with his Austrian wife is living well, the no, same Well, no, he's English. Oh. He's English. So we were absolutely on the same wavelength. People <laughs> looking going, yeah, how yeah. is this possible? And, just, and your wife is there going, you see what I'm saying? Well, no, I wasn't that crazy. I'm not putting Natalie there. She would have had them out the door inside of two minutes. Have you seen this piece of beep? So no, I, I sent her upstairs with Rolo and the kids. I'll deal with this. Do not worry. But uh, clearly I didn't. So you haven't sold it yet? Well, I don't know. They're supposed to have sent me a message back last night. Yeah. And um, they were going out for um, uh, for dinner nearby. Mm. And um, no, as of yet, I have no message back, which I feel as though I kind of do have the message if you catch my drift. Yeah. I'm not sure this is going to work out the way that, um, the way that uh, I was hoping for. Well, okay. Welcome to Domestics List. <laughs> we have a Samsung as well. <laughs> we ended up buying a Samsung. You know, it was, it, How old's yours? Um, my first one lasted 10 years, and this really? one is new. Yeah, 10 years. Hey, that's good. Yeah, but you know what went? It wasn't the panel or anything. It was the piece in the motor, like the transmission in the bottom of the- what, Armature? I don't know, something. Okay. Whatever it was, you know, tried to get it fixed. I, so I had the repair guys come, the good guys. Like yeah. I had, you know, the repair guys yes. for appliances come. They took it away and they brought it back. So yeah, we can't fix it. Well, this is interesting because now they have a 10 year warranty on their motors. Yeah. Um, which is, which is, is quite but, something. But I don't know if it covers that transmission piece. Like oh, I get you. Yeah, yeah, not motor itself, however. Yeah. Oh, no, no, they don't have transmission anymore. No. They're direct drive. Okay, so then this would work. Yeah, but, yeah. But even when the Samsung guys, because I bought the new Samsung, Samsung guys come, I say, like, just take this thing. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe, and I said to them, I said, look, you can have it. Honestly, take it home. I'm sure you're going to come across this piece that even Samsung, because the guy looked at it and he goes, oh, yeah, we don't have that piece. Yeah, yeah. We can't get that piece. We haven't been able to get that piece for a long time. And he said, if we could get the piece, you might as well buy a new washer because it's about the same price. Brilliant. <laughs> I just went, really? Yeah. And so that was uh, what killed us on, on that. But 
you ended up getting, you know, and then there were a few other machines. And I think the other the other difficulty is, and I think my my guilt is part of this. You know, Samsung that's done two years in our household. It's probably done ten years in yours. Yeah. <laughs> Because um, it is—it's not really the well. No, the I mean, Ruby is just beyond, <laughs> beyond the pale when it comes to um, uh, getting through clothes at a rate of knots. But to be fair, so am I. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. If it is being worn, even if it is just a dog walk, I'm done. Yeah, you know, it, it just doesn't feel right. Uh, I'm, I'm so, a, it's, well. How many shirts a day are you at now? I'm about four shirts a day right now. Yeah, I'm about that. Yeah, yeah. you know, dog walk two dog walks a day. Yes. Uh, if you do anything outside, yep. <laughs> then yep. you're, you know, at work and, you know, I've got the work shirts on. Like yes. I, I take that off after work. I got to put on a non-work shirt. I like to have a change. Do you know what this is leading to is an admission of guilt, <laughs> which is slightly worrying. It's and your it fault as a machine, bro. Well, no, no. no it, it suggests that really I should be doing a little bit more than I actually do because we don't have a maid or that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm kind of looking at myself going, I'm not sure I'm I'm really doing quite as much as I should be here. So yeah. I'd like to say I'll turn over a new leaf, but literally give me 15 minutes, the guilt will have gone. <laughs> we'll be back where we were before. Take her out for lunch, that'll fix it. There we go. Yes. Where's the, where's the key lunch spot for you guys? Uh, well, I, oddly enough, it was Natalie's birthday only a few weeks oh, ago, and I offered her Dubai. Take your yeah. pick, we'll go anywhere. I, I mean, I absolutely adore Folly. Um, oh, okay. which is at Madnat. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely adore that place. And she chose Maison Mathis, 300 yards away, which we had a lovely meal okay. at. We okay. had a lovely meal there. Yeah. But I'm like, we can do that any time that we want. <laughs> yes, but we're then close to home. Yeah. I know, but it's like 300 yards. We can do a bit better than that, can't we? You know, well, let's go crazy. Let's go to a kilometre. And... Uh, <laughs> Well, that's, the, that's the the Media One Hotel oh, in, in, wow. in Studio yes. City. Yeah, Ooh. but um, no, she was having absolutely none of it, okay. and um, so yeah, that was the option. And actually, we had a lovely, we had a lovely day for um, for a birthday, which was great. Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's what it's about, isn't it? It's not necessarily yeah, about yeah. the fanciest place; it's about where yeah. you have a, a, a really good time. And we did; we had a lovely time. So there we go. I'm not, I'm not really arguing. <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. What one of the things I want to leave with, and we got a few minutes, and I pulled together that little list of, you know, the must should be able to do, whether you're male, female, teenager, you know, with a walker, whatever it is, those, those, uh, that little list, that, that three, four, five things that everyone should be able to do around the house without needing to call a handyman or a handy woman. Let's not push it, James. <laughs> Maybe there's two things. I've got, I've got school fees to pay. You know. No, actually, that that's totally not our style on this uh, podcast, and it's something I really do. Um, uh, in all honesty, I, I much prefer to empower people to do the kind of stuff that is just not um, economic and doesn't really require well, a, a, the skill. You know. So, so you know that I was an assistant editor on Time Life yes. rewrite of the Home Repair and Improvement series. Yeah, yeah. And all that taught me. And we've said this over and over again. All that taught me with speaking to the professionals who I would then call when we had the steps and we'd done it out and the editors had come back and said, yeah, okay, now you got to reduce this by, you know, two pages. Yes. I was like, two pages. That's like six steps I got to take out. Yeah. Well, you can do it. So then you'd be back and forth with the consultants who were looking at the pages, but who actually did those things. So maybe they were roofers yeah. or tilers or whatever. And all that taught me at the end of the day of working on that series, and it was a lot of fun, was get a professional in to do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> no matter what it is, especially when I was doing the stain removing stuff and I went and spoke with a chemist who created products to take away stains. And this guy was a little bit of a, a maverick, you know, and, and, and it was like, it was, it was, it was something out of a movie. It was like paranoid. You came in and said, anyone see you come in here? Was anyone following you? He's like, no. I was like, okay. And he's constantly looking at the door. I spoke to one of those guys <laughs> yesterday. They're brilliant, aren't they? Do you know what? I think we can run through a whole bunch okay. of these that you probably wouldn't call a professional for. So okay, let, let's do let, it. Let's go through it. Okay, Sander Table was one of uh, one on the list. Yeah. Now, the thing with this, which I've learned from personal... I, I mean, I actually really enjoy sanding. Yeah. Most people would hate it because it takes a lot of time and therefore you lose interest as you go. Start point. Unless you are working on a tiny area, and I mean maximum kind of 10 centimeters square, you need a sander, mm. okay? Your choice of sander is down to you, but they all come with different benefits, positives and negatives. Um, so for me, um, I want a random orbital. That's what okay. works. Random works orbital, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's, well, no, that's not it. <laughs> Um, so the random orbital I'll use as my main, the main tool. Okay. And I will go really aggressive. So I'll go like a 40 grit or 60 grit because I want to get whatever it is that's on that table off as quickly as possible so that I, I feel as though I can see progress being made. Okay. For that, my dad absolutely swears by a belt sander. Uh, okay? I see, I'm with your dad. I love a belt sander. Yeah, but the problem with the belt sanders is they're really, really aggressive. Yeah. And um, also, they, they, I find that they're just not particularly reliable, the ones I've used. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, either wear out or the, the belt gets chewed up or yeah. just, or clogged, which is another thing. They clog Clogging, quite easily. Clogging's a big one. Yeah. Whereas with the random orbital, um, although they don't clog or they tend not to clog um, too well and they tend to pick up quite nicely, you tend to find that um, because because they are um, Velcro or was it um, loop and hook, yeah. that that fails quite quickly. So I keep spare yeah, um, lo- right. um, spare pads for that uh, during the process. And you go through um, the sheets like you wouldn't believe. So I buy them by the hundred um, for that. So it's it's horses for courses in that respect. Then so you've got down with something aggressive uh, first of all then it's just a question of smoothing it to whatever mm. level you want to With go the to. random orbital? So, I, see, I, I love that random orbital. So I'll use that if I've got, I also have a mouse sander as well. Uh-huh. So if I've got detail work to do, then away I'll go with that. I regularly see people who've got the mouse sander because they got sold on the advert from um, Black & Decker um, <laughs> trying to do big work. And the problem is it doesn't have enough movement in right. the, the body to get rid of stuff quickly. So it takes ages to do it mm. um but again i use that for instance when i do you remember when i was doing the table and chairs yep, yep. well for the chairs if you imagine you've got quite fine areas and there's a lot of movement involved and you can't do that with a random orbital it's just too too large yeah. so that was the reason why i got the mouse sander and started using it on that but i wouldn't use it on table stuff mm. on the whole um but again getting getting the maximum off initially Obviously, you've got to be careful because it, it will it will chew it up or it will leave yeah. quite a um, quite a rough surface. But then going over it um, with something that's much smoother, just to get it down to something that you can then uh, prep and paint or stain or whatever it's going to be, oil depending on how you're mm. going to do it, um, is the is in my opinion the best way of doing it. Nice, so set. progress quickly. There we go. Yeah, excellent. Uh, next one: clean oil off bricks. Right, uh, the oil leaks. Yeah, see, this is an interesting one because they are night and day fresh oil leak versus baked on oil leak Ooh, okay? okay now the reality of a fresh oil leak is it's easy you know you're not gonna have too many problems with it techniques the same but it's um it's easier uh, once it's dried on there 
you are in a lot of trouble. When you see the do-it-yourself videos on YouTube, it looks like it's going to come <laughs> off really easily. The reality is, no, it's not. That is not the scenario that works. Lots of different um, uh, old wives' tales of stuff to use, uh, everything from uh, vinegar to bleach to yeah, yeah. hydrogen peroxide, which actually is, is quite a good option. Um, good my, for warts, too. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Um, my personal favourite is um, washing up gel. Washing up gel? Yeah. So put the washing up gel on it, leave it for like two or three minutes, and then brush it. Uh, assuming that brush. you've got assuming that you've got something that will take a, a brush I would even use a steel brush steel brush really yeah but you need to have something that it doesn't matter if it scratches so for uh, instance we've got like um, uh, the uh, normal block stuff yeah and uh, like interlock really, yeah yeah and it is so old that you really can't tell um, tell the okay. difference so you but want, it doesn't clean it up though so that then you've got this nice clean brick and the old bricks well what no definitely doesn't uh, okay. from that perspective because it's already decolored and it's decolored coloured to a depth um, on these. Okay. So uh, what I would then do is I would then steel brush it um, or alternatively if you want something less aggressive a normal a bristle brush, uh, yeah. brush would work. I would then leave it for 10 to 15 minutes and at that point I would hit it with the strongest pressure washer that money can buy. Oh, I still got to come by you and get that one without the wheels. Yeah. <laughs> if you still got it I might have thrown it out by now. Oh no. Um, oh no. Remind but, me before you come. No, I'll check. I'm going to send you a reminder right yeah, now yeah. and then tell me I, I will cruise by. <laughs> um, so, and then, uh, so hit it with that and see where you get to. And then if that doesn't work, then, or, but there's still some left, baking soda is another one ah. that you throw over the top to try and get it to raise. You're basically trying to raise it. Yeah. And then I would keep repeating a bit of how, and use different methods, yeah. like constantly swap, because you don't know exactly what the constituents of the oil are, whether it's right. new oil, old oil, all these have, um, have uh, implications. Yeah. So just go, once it's baked, on it's just going to be a pain so go over it over and over it with different things um and hopefully over time the idea is you're just trying to lift it yeah so uh, break it down and lift it is the is the route forward do you like my grandfather keep a cardboard piece underneath your car at all times and you never yes. have to worry about that yes absolutely <laughs> it's um it's one to go um painting a wall that was the next one yeah just okay general, just general painting yeah so here's here's one in the um in the uae uh, generally speaking the walls are already um painted or have paint on them yeah. so you you've you've got one of two scenarios which is either i'm repainting the wall because i want to change the color uh -huh. or i'm repainting the wall because i've got damage from pictures or whatever and um, i need to fill it first yeah. so um First things first, when you are painting a wall, we call it painting a panel rather than a wall. Painting a panel? Right, so what okay. a panel is, the difference between a wall and a panel is, a panel is one flat surface which has the edges all the way around which right. you can cut into. Okay. okay. And by cutting in, I mean it's a, a solid edge point that you can work with. Okay. Um, a wall could be um, a... A, a section of um, the same for instance here's the normal one so you have well, you got a, one right a, beside you here yeah okay well yeah that one that one doesn't really illustrate what I'm looking to oh, do okay. so imagine that you've got a downstairs corridor yeah that goes up the stairs. Oh yeah okay? okay so the problem there is a wall you would consider to be the downstairs corridor 
a panel goes halfway up the stairs until you've got a solid oh, corner gotcha. to be able to work with. Now, if you only paint the downstairs bit, you've got a nasty little bit between the old and the new that your eye is going to be constantly drawn to. So make the effort and do the panel without a doubt. And that way you will not notice that, that that's a repaint wall, apart from the fact that it looks fresh. Yeah. And that's really the, the, the difference there. Now, if you have damage on that wall, mm-hmm. then repairing it nice and easy without a doubt. The idea is do not put more of the filler on that, um, or plaster Paris for those people um, a bit more techie um, than you actually need. Okay, put it on and then take it off. So when it's still wet, just get a, a wet, damp cloth, rub it over. If you'll paint it anyway, you don't need to be too too careful right. about it. But it may well be that you need two fills because it shrinks as it dries. Right. Okay, uh, so do that. Give it a quick sand off. Not loads of sanding, because otherwise you will see the difference between the yeah. uh, the repainted wall and um, the area that you've repaired. Where it gets more difficult is oh, most of the properties here, and especially rental properties, have lots of um, tenants that come in and go, oh, I'll get that wall repainted. It'll all look like ours. At that point, you get the stipple effect from um, the roller, which yeah. each time you repaint it gets worse and worse yeah. and worse. And if you go to a property, like the classics for us are the springs, uh-huh. which you go to a property that has been repainted every year for 15 years, then at that point, it is literally like you have got Velcro walls. It's that bad. <laughs> and for us, the only way to get a really good um, surface on that is to physically using a scraper, big scrapers, to literally fill the entire oh, wall man. and then sand it off again, which some customers want and some customers will just live with the, the, the state that it's at. Yeah. But then you are back to a perfect wall and away you go. Okay. So that is painting a wall. There we go. You know what? I think we're going we're gonna to leave it there and we can, cool. we can pick up some more because I know that uh, you've, got, you've got lots to do. We've all got lots to do and it's been a great show. Yeah, I've always really, fun. I've really enjoyed it. There's so much information here. <laughs> well, you know, we started off with COVID, didn't we? So yeah. I thought I'd better ramp it up as we got through. There we go. Colin Thomas from Essential Maintenance and We Will Fix It Dubai. It's the We Will Fix It podcast. James here, if you want to get in touch with us. James at thejamescast.com. That's an easy one. And you can find us right here at the Rove Hotel downtown Dubai. Find us across the internet, Podaholics with a K, the Jamescast. We're all there. Lots and lots of podcasts to listen to. We'll talk to you again real soon. So long for now. Oh.